And now, if you will, please <clears throat> stand and let us open up our Bibles together to Leviticus chapter 13. <clears throat> this is a lengthy chapter. If at all, it is difficult for you to remain standing through the whole reading of, of God's word, then you may uh, feel free to, to sit uh, as needed. We do stand. There's an example of this in Nehemiah, book of Nehemiah, of standing uh, for the word of God. And we do that out of reverence for his word. We recognize it as God speaking to us from his word. Uh, but uh, the Lord understands if, if out of weakness uh, you need to sit. So... <clears throat> Leviticus chapter 13, this is God's holy, inerrant, and infallible word. Before I read it, uh, let, us, let us go to the Lord, asking him to, to bless the reading and then also the preaching of his word. Our gracious God, we thank you for uh, revealing yourself to us. And by having that revelation recorded for us in the Bible, we know that you inspired it. That it was not given to us by men, but was given to us first and foremost uh, as you breathed it out. And that uh, those men being inspired did give to us that which is perfect and without error. We pray, Lord, that you would now use it in a, by the Spirit, by your Spirit, to open our hearts, to receive it in faith, and to uh, do that which it commands. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, When a person has on the skin of his body a swelling or an eruption or a spot, and it, is, it turns into a case of leprous disease on the skin of his body, then he shall be brought to Aaron the priest or to one of his sons the priests. And the priest shall examine the diseased area on the skin of his body. And if the hair in the diseased area has turned white and the disease appears to be deeper than the skin of his body, it is a case of leprous disease. When the priest has examined him, he shall pronounce him unclean. But if the spot is white in the skin of his body, and it appears no deeper than the skin, and the hair in it has not turned white, the priest shall shut up the diseased person for seven days. And the priest shall examine him on the seventh day, and if in his eyes the disease is checked, and the disease has not spread in the skin, then the priest shall shut him up for another seven days. And the priest shall examine him again on the seventh day, and if the diseased area has faded, and the disease has not spread in the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him clean. It is only an eruption. And he shall wash his clothes and be clean. But if the eruption spreads in the skin, after he has shown himself to the priest for his cleansing, he shall appear again before the priest. And the priest shall look, and if the eruption has spread in the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is a leprous disease." When a man is afflicted with a leprous disease, he shall be brought to the priest, and the priest shall look. And if there is a white swelling in the skin that has turned the hair white, and there is raw flesh in the swelling, it is a chronic leprous disease in the skin of his body, and the priest shall pronounce him unclean. He shall not shut him up, for he is unclean. And if the leprous disease breaks out in the skin, so that 
The leprous disease covers all the skin of the diseased person from head to foot, so far as the priest can see. Then the priest shall look, and if the leprous disease has covered all his body, he shall pronounce him clean of the disease. It has all turned white, and he is clean. But when raw flesh appears on him, he shall be unclean. And the priest shall examine the raw flesh and pronounce him unclean. Raw flesh is unclean, for it is a leprous disease. But if the raw flesh recovers and turns white again, then he shall come to the priest, and the priest shall examine him. And if the disease has turned white, then the priest shall pronounce the diseased person clean. He is clean. If there is in the skin of one's body a boil, and it heals, and in the place of the boil there comes a white swelling or a reddish white spot, then it shall be shown to the priest, and the priest shall look. And if it appears deeper than the skin, and its hair has turned white, then the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is a case of leprous disease that is broken out in the boil. But if the priest examines it, and there is no white hair in it, and it is not deeper than the skin, but has faded, then the priest shall shut him up seven days. And if it spreads in the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is a disease. But if the spot remains in one place and does not spread... It is the scar of the boil, and the priest shall pronounce him clean. Or when the body has a burn on its skin, and the raw flesh of the burn becomes a spot, reddish, white, or white, the priest shall examine it. And if the hair in the spot has turned white, and it appears deeper than the skin, then it is a leprous disease. It has broken out in the burn, and the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is a case of leprous disease. But if the priest examines it and there is no white hair in the spot and it is no deeper than the skin but has faded, the priest shall shut him up seven days and the priest shall examine him the seventh day. If it is spreading in the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is a case of leprous disease. But if the spot remains in one place and does not spread in the skin but has faded, it is a swelling from the burn and the priest shall pronounce him clean for it is the scar of the burn." When a man or woman has a disease on the head or the beard, the priest shall examine the disease, and if it appears deeper than the skin, and the hair in it is yellow and thin, then the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is an itch, a leprous disease of the head or the beard. And if the priest examines the itching disease, and it appears no deeper than the skin, and there is no black hair in it, then the priest shall shut up the person with the itching disease for seven days. And on the seventh day, the priest shall examine the disease." If the itch has not spread and there is in it no yellow hair and the itch appears to be no deeper than the skin, then he shall shave himself, but the itch he shall not shave. And the priest shall shut up the person with the itching disease for another seven days. And on the seventh day, the priest shall examine the itch. And if the itch has not spread in the skin and it appears to be no deeper than the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him clean. And he shall wash his clothes and be clean. But if the itch spreads in the skin after his cleansing, then the priest shall examine him. And if the itch has spread in the skin, the priest need not seek for the yellow hair. He is unclean. But if in the eyes, in his eyes, the itch is unchanged and black hair has grown in it, the itch is healed and he is clean and the priest shall pronounce him clean. When a man or a woman has spots on the skin of the body, white spots, The priest shall look, and if the spots on the skin of the body are of a dull white, it is leucoderma that has broken out in the skin. He is clean. 
If a man's hair falls out from his head, he is bald, he is clean. And if a man's hair falls out from his forehead, he has baldness of the forehead, he is clean. But if there is on the bald head or the bald forehead a reddish-white diseased area, it is a leprous disease breaking out on his bald head or his bald forehead. Then the priest shall examine him. And if the disease swelling is reddish-white on his bald head or on his bald forehead, like the appearance of leprous disease in the skin of, his bo- of the body, he is a leprous man. He is unclean. The priest must pronounce him unclean. His disease is on his head. The leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head hang loose, and he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, Unclean! Unclean! He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. When there is a case of leprous disease in a garment, whether a woolen or a linen garment, in warp or woof of linen or wool, or in the skin, or in a skin, or in anything made of skin, if the disease is greenish or reddish in the garment, or in the skin, or in the warp, or the woof, or in any article made of skin, it is a case of leprous disease, and it shall be shown to the priest. And the priest shall examine the disease and shut up that which has the disease for seven days. Then he shall examine the disease on the seventh day. If the disease has spread in the garment, in the warp or the woof, or in the skin, or whatever be the use of the skin, the disease is a persistent leprous disease. It is unclean. And he shall burn the garment, or the warp, or the woof, the wool, or the linen, or any article made of skin that is diseased. For it is a persistent leprous disease. It shall be burned in the fire. And if the priest examines... And if the disease has not spread in the garment, in the warp or the woof, or, any, or in any article made of skin, then the priest shall command that they wash the thing in which, is the disease, in which is the disease, and he shall shut it up for another seven days. And the priest shall examine the diseased thing after it has been washed. And if the appearance of the disease area has not changed, though the disease has not spread, it is unclean. You shall burn it in the fire, whether the rot is on the back or or on the front. But if the priest examines, and if the diseased area has faded after it has been washed, he shall tear it out of the garment or the skin, or the warp or the woof. Then if it appears again in the garment, in the warp or the woof, or in any article made of skin, it is spreading. You shall burn with fire whatever has the disease. But the garment, or the warp, or the woof, or any article made of skin from which the disease departs when you have washed it, shall then be washed a second time and be clean. This is the law for a case of leprous disease in the garment of wool or linen, either in the warp or the woof, or in any article made of skin, to determine whether it is clean or unclean. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord endures forever. You may be seated. We began this series with several prequel sermons on the first three chapters of Genesis. Adam was placed in the garden on Mount Eden. That garden on Mount Eden was a type of heaven. And that's very important to understand. That garden was a type of heaven. 
It was like heaven, the upper heavens being projected down on earth where God would dwell for a time with Adam. And Adam's ascent up that mountain symbolized his ascent up into heaven. You see, Adam was tasked as the covenant representative for all of humanity. His covenantal obedience to God would open up the way up that mountain for mankind to ascend into heaven to dwell with God forever. On the other hand, Adam's disobedience would bring death. Not just physical death, but spiritual death. Even eternal death in hell. Now you of course know the story of the first man, Adam, how he sinned against God. And on account of his disobedience was exiled from the garden on Mount Eden. And the rest of scripture after this point, is dealing with who will be able to ascend the mountain of God to dwell with him forever. For example, Psalm 24 asks, Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? And who shall stand in his holy place? And the psalmist immediately answers that question, He who has, listen, clean hands. And a pure heart. And so perhaps you can begin to see how the clean and unclean laws here in Leviticus have been answering this very same question. Those who are clean, that is those with clean hands, can draw near to God at the tabernacle. Those who are unclean cannot. In fact, the unclean laws here in Leviticus are sort of retelling the story of Adam's exile. You see, uncleanness symbolized sinfulness. Uncleanness symbolized sinfulness. And the tabernacle symbolized heaven. When God asked Moses to build the tabernacle, he was asking him to build a copy, a replica of Mount Eden. And so you could say that the tabernacle was also like a projection of heaven down on earth. It was, it was an architectural mountain of God. And God dwelled in that tabernacle amongst his people, similar to the way he dwelled in the garden with Adam. Well, the story of Adam's exile, in particular, gets retold in the case of leprosy. Because if a person becomes leprous, he was pronounced unclean and was exiled from the camp of Israel like Adam was from the garden when he became a sinner. Now, if uncleanness symbolized sin, and the tabernacle symbolized heaven, then what was the deeper message being taught to Israel? It was that sin makes you unfit to ascend into heaven and to dwell with God. 
Now, if all of mankind is sinful from conception on account of Adam's sin, if we are all conceived in sin, as David put it in Psalm 51, metaphorically speaking, if we all have leprous souls because of sin, then how shall we ascend the hill of the Lord to dwell with him forever? Well, we need to be cleansed from our sin. Just as a leper needed to be cleansed from the uncleanness of his leprosy. But how are we cleansed? Who will cleanse us? And how do we live having been cleansed? Well, we will address these questions throughout the sermon. But first... It's important that we give attention to some of the particulars in the passage. And so first let me say that the laws concerning leprosy were not merely addressing simply an infectious skin disorder. But also infectious disorders that could be found in Israel's domestic life. You see, when we think of leprosy today, we we pretty much... Are, are, are just thinking about the skin disease. But the word leprosy in Hebrew had a much broader meaning. It, it more broadly described fungal infections that could disfigure not only the surface of a person's skin, but could also disfigure the surface of their clothing or of garments, of, of cloths. Or even the walls of their houses. Which will be brought up in chapter 14. The very next chapter. And so we are talking here about disorders of two different kinds. Chapter 13 is looking at disorders of two different kinds. A disorder of the skin. And a disorder of their houses or their household items. In different words, we're looking at dermatological disorders and domestic disorders throughout this chapter. Both cases have similarities. For instance, both of them have disfigured surface conditions which cause the skin or the garment or whatever material it is to flake or to peel in those areas where it spreads. And so both people and household items could be considered leprous. Now, the priests were given instructions on how to test if certain disfigurements were disorders that made someone or something unclean. Not all would make someone unclean. Not all disfigurements were Unclean, And so we're looking here specifically at what types of disfigurements made them unclean. Now, this isn't particularly the order in the text, but let's look first at those items or objects that could become unclean. And then secondarily, we'll look at how a person could become unclean. So, with regard to household items... If there was a greenish or reddish moldy growth in something made of wool or linen or in leather or in the cross threads of a garment. And that's what 
It means by the warp and the woof is the cross threads of the garment. If there was this green or red growth, then the priest had those items shut up for a week, sort of quarantined for a week. And if it spread, then it was unclean and was to be burned. If it had not spread, then it was to be washed and then shut up for another week. And if the disfigurement was still present, even though it had not spread, then it was pronounced unclean and was to be burned. If the disfigurement had faded during that time, then that part of the object was to be cut out of the garment or out of the cloth, and then the cloth itself could be used again. A similar process is is discussed with respect to the walls of of, of the house in chapter 14. And and if the disfigured area on the wall spread, then that part of the house was to be torn out and rebuilt. But if that did not solve the problem and then it began to spread again, then the whole house was to be torn down and carried outside of the camp of Israel to an unclean place. Okay, so there's the tests that determined if a domestic object was unclean. But what determined if the disfigurements on the skin made a person unclean? Well, there were two primary examinations that the priests had to make. If the infected area had turned the hair in that spot white, or if the disfigurement displayed raw flesh, meaning it was, it, was, it was deeper than just the skin, then without question in either one of those cases, the person was declared as unclean. If, however, the hair had not become white, but only the skin, meaning that the surface of the skin was mere, merely scaly or, or, or fleshy, it was, it was peeling to a certain extent and gave the skin a white appearance, then the person was confined for a week and then re-examined. And if it had not spread during that time, then the person was confined for another week, another seven days. And if it still had not spread, then the person was pronounced clean. But if at any point during that time it spread, then he was unclean. Now, there were other tests that might need to be made as well, such as tests for infectious diseases on on old scars, more more specifically on on burns or boils, which were similar to those that we just described. But there were also, beyond this, tests for the scalp or for the beard area. Okay, so the first thing that needs to be highlighted... uh, with respect to this in verse 40, and I hope all of you caught this as we read it. I think it's very important. It reads, if a man's hair falls out from his head, he is bald, he is clean. Now that tells me, beloved, first and foremost, <clears throat> that I am not hair follicle challenged, but hair follicle blessed. <laughs> I am clean. Actually, I think what it's trying to say is that the hair falling out itself does not signify an infectious disease. But if the priest should find red or white skin in that area, 
then it would be a case of leprous disease. Now, this probably was not what we today call leprosy. It probably wasn't leprosy, technically speaking, then, in that that sense. But probably uh, this would more be a condition of what we call today uh, psoriasis. But it nevertheless made someone unclean. Remember that broad term of leprosy in Hebrew was covering different disfigurements. And psoriasis would have been one of those and made someone unclean. Now, in the bearded area, the priest was to see if the hair had become yellow. And if so, then that proved that the person or marked that the person should be pronounced unclean. And so these were the tests that the priests were were to use to examine disfigurements in the skin or in their domestic items. Now, we have already described just a moment ago what happened if an item was unclean. Uh, It could potentially be burned or perhaps cut a portion of it out. Uh, We discussed that just a moment ago. But what if the person was pronounced unclean? Well, in verse 45, they were commanded, those who were pronounced unclean, to wear torn clothes... Let the hair of their heads hang loose, if they had any, and cover the upper lip. Now, what's that all about? Well, all of these things just described were mourning rites. They were outward signs of mourning over death or sin. And think about the relationship between sin and death. The wages of sin, Romans chapter 3, is death. And so the same outward customary rites were followed, whether mourning over sin or mourning over death. Now, I want you to think about this. The person's state of uncleanness symbolized his state of sinfulness. And the uncleanness forced him to constantly cry out, unclean, unclean. And verse 46, to dwell even outside of the camp. Away from God, who dwelled there at the tabernacle in the midst of the camp. And bring to mind now what I have said throughout this section here in Leviticus. That the nearer one is to God the nearer they are to life. For God is the source and fountain of life. But the further one is away from God, the closer they are to death. And that, beloved, is why the leprous disease made someone unclean. The disorder of scaly and rotting disfigurements were the external signs of a body decaying. In heaven, there will be no disease, decay, or death. 
And that is why the person was to dwell outside the camp, away from the tabernacle. The tabernacle was a a type, a symbol of heaven on earth. The person who was leprous experienced, if you will, a living death. And had to be exiled from the holy realm that symbolized heaven. Just as Adam was exiled from the holy garden realm. Adam was warned that if he sinned against God that he would experience death. And of course that's how death for us was brought into the world. Through Adam. Now, although he himself didn't experience physical death immediately, he did experience a form of death right then in that he was exiled from the presence of God, who is the source and fountain of life. Adam and Eve and all who descended from him naturally inherited a living death. All who live are dead on account of sin. All have been pronounced unclean because of sin and cannot ascend the holy hill of the Lord. They cannot dwell with God in heaven. And so what's the remedy? Well, the 14th chapter of Leviticus will speak to this more explicitly, but simply put, man needs to be cleansed from his sin. And how? How can we be cleansed? The leper in Luke chapter 5 knew how to be cleansed. When he came to Jesus, he said, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. He knew that cleansing came from the Lord Jesus Christ. And of course, that cleansing could only come from him. I want you to notice that that he didn't ask Jesus to heal him. Lord, if you will, you can heal me. I'm tired of this disease. He said, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And of course, that implied him being healed. But his interest was in being pronounced clean. And who pronounced one clean? It was the priests. That was the job of the priest. And so he recognized Jesus' priestly office. That Jesus could pronounce him clean. Could make him clean. And of course Jesus did. He reached out and he touched the man saying, I will be clean. And immediately the man was healed. And became clean. And that, beloved, is what Christ can do for our leprous souls. That's the point of the healing. Jesus, of course, had much compassion on the man for what he experienced in his bodily ailment. 
the miracle was showing us something much deeper. Jesus can make you clean from your sins. If we come to him by faith, recognizing that we are unclean because of our sin, he can make us clean. Let me put it more explicitly. If we come to him mourning over our state of uncleanness, you see, my friends, not every man in Israel had leprosy, but lepers symbolized every man. They symbolize what everyone is like because of sin. The leper experienced a living death and he was to react to this by displaying the customary mourning rites of their time. The tearing of their clothes, the letting loose of their hair and covering their upper lip. All of those outward signs of mourning over sin and death. My friends, blessed are you if this describes your life. What did Jesus say in the Sermon on the Mount? Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. He's talking about those who mourn over their sin and the consequences that it brings, namely death and at that spiritual death. He's talking about those who lament their living deadness. They will be comforted. Like the leper in Luke 5 was comforted. Because Christ will cleanse you. He will cleanse those who mourn from their sin and make them fit to enter into heaven. The healing of the leper in Luke chapter 5 really teaches us a whole lot about leprosy and, and, and even more about Jesus. While the man had leprosy, he experienced a, uh, even physically a living death. But when Jesus healed him, it was like returning him to the land of the living. He was fully alive. He could go back into the city. He could go to the temple Where God dwelled. And so it was like raising him from the dead. And so the healing portrayed Jesus to be what he claimed himself to be in John chapter 5. When he said, I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus as God has life in himself. He is the source and fountain of all life. And so he is able to give life, raise those who are dead in their sins. But he does not do this apart from his own dying on the cross. He was fully God, but also fully man. And he died according to his human nature as a substitute for us. And that's what should come to mind when Jesus touches the leper. 
It was as if Jesus was telling him, I will take away your uncleanness because I am going to someday bear the penalty for it by dying your death, which he did on Calvary's cross. And so if you have come to the cross mourning on behalf of your sin, trusting in the saving work of Christ, then you have been cleansed by the atoning blood of Jesus Christ. His blood washes you clean. Does this mean, however, that you are now without sin? Well, in principle... Yes. In actuality, no. And what I mean is that God views you as clean, having been washed in the blood of Christ. When he looks at you, he sees his perfect son. And so views you as without sin. But you will, in actuality, continue to sin throughout your life. And I think this is somewhat hinted at in our text. You see, there were several skin ailments that people could have, which didn't necessarily entail being pronounced unclean. You saw many of them. They used to check in this way or that way, and the person might be clean, even though they had some type of skin ailment. And that describes, I think, who we are in Christ. You see, we continue to be imperfect because of our present sin, but we are nevertheless clean and able to draw near to God. But that doesn't mean that we can now live however we want and with no consequence for our sins. Our lives must be lived penitently. Meaning, we ought to live lives of repentance, faith and repentance. I think there is an analogy even for church discipline in Leviticus 13. For example, temporary deviations from the norm, temporary deviations from the normal skin conditions did not entail someone being excluded from the covenant community, did it? But a spreading and persistent patch of infectious skin certainly did. That put one outside of the covenant community. And in the same way, beloved, all members of the church have have certain deviations from the holy standard that we ought to live. And, And it's not okay to sin against the Lord ever. But not every little sin we commit puts us out of the membership of the church. If so, we'd all be out. But if we live in unrepentant sin, if we're not walking in faith and repentance, turning from those sins, growing in our holiness then such deviations does call for church discipline, in which case a person may be removed from the membership of the church. 
when sin is persistent, rampantly spreading in an individual with no repentance, then God even commands Paul, through Paul in 1 Corinthians 5, to put them out of the church. Meaning removing them from the membership of the church. There he doesn't use leprosy, but he speaks about the leaven, which can leaven the whole lump. Sin can spread as leprosy spreads, as yeast spreads throughout dough. Sin can spread, and so sin must be dealt with when it is not repentant. When the person is not being penitent or living penitently, repenting of their sins. And this means then that having come to Christ, we are to walk by faith in repentance, not allowing sin to reign in our mortal bodies, Romans 6.12. But rather, our lives should be lived presenting ourselves to God as those who have been raised from death to life, Romans 6.13. To Him be all praise and glory now and forevermore. Amen. Let us pray. Oh God, we pray that your spirit would be at work in us so that we might always be putting to death the misdeeds of the flesh. We know that this is not something we can do apart from you, but must do so only by the power of your spirit working in us. May we indeed live as those who have been raised to new life, Just as the one who was healed from leprosy would have new life, could draw near to you and live once again within the community, praising your name in the midst of the community. And so let us live this way ourselves, having been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. May we live as those who draw near to you, seeking to please you in all that we do. Forgive us, O God, when we fall short, but may your spirit continue to conform us to the image of Christ. We pray these things in his most holy name. Amen.